Hello. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to this Zoom call. It's like we're um it's like we have jobs. <laughs> these <laughs> these Zoom calls everyone's been talking about, you know, we finally are getting a little taste. Yeah, I'd like to just circle back to that. <laughs> this this recording uh could have been an email, Nika. <laughs> <laughs> Mistakes. Ow. So for people who haven't already picked on up um, what we're talking about, we're recording remotely again because that's our dedication. Yes. Um, you're in Rhode Island. I am. I'm in Brooklyn. You are. Um, and how's your trip going so far? Uh, it's going well. I mean, I'm spending a lot of time with family, um, which has been nice. Um, I'm kind of here on like a touch and go indefinite kind of period right now. So kind of just living in the moment. Um, yeah, it's been it's been nice. I kind of have no desire to be back in New York right now, which is truly psychotic. Um, because every time that I'm here, I count down the days to when I'm back in New York. Yeah, you're famously obsessed with being in New York, so it says a lot that that you're not currently trying to be back. Yeah. Um, But that's good. That's good that you like where you currently are. I love that for you. Yeah. We haven't seen each other in like a week, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I went on a trip to Asheville. You went on a trip to Rhode Island and we were gone at the same time for a minute. But now I'm back without you. And (laughs) I was kind of expecting the FOMO to be like, you know, the other way around. Like you'd feel FOMO for like me living it up in New York. But um, here I am just not enjoying New York as much without you. So TikTok, bestie, (laughs) get back. (laughs) We are, uh, we don't know what to do without you. (laughs) I'm using the royal we, but also I think New York City in general would would agree. Um, The Bushwick bars. Oh my God. So empty. We will we will get into Bushwick bars for my hot take. Well, I mean, we want to keep this short and sweet because you have time to be spending with your family while you're in Rhode Island. And um, I am famously weeding my garden right now. How oh, wholesome is that? I love that. <laughs> Which I kind of think I'm going to take a little bit of a break even longer than just this recording because it's gotten to the time of the day. It's like 2 p.m. right now where my yard is like the most covered in sunlight that it gets for the most of the day. Mm. And so it's, you know, it's not ideal um, weeding hours at the moment. But, you know, in general, I would like to um, complete that task today. And I don't want to keep you from your fam for too long. So do you just want to like fucking get into our segments? Let's get into them. Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. Um, so my keepsake is that I've been in Rhode Island um, because we're dealing with some family stuff and it has allowed me to spend a lot of time with my family, which has been really nice. Every time I come to Rhode Island, I come to see my friends Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't really see my family. I mean, I see them, but I don't see them as much. So it's been a lot of just hanging out with family, which has been nice. 
And yeah, seeing my grandma a lot, seeing my little cousins a lot. That's been fun. My mistake, no major mistakes, to be honest. I guess my, my one mistake would be that I engaged in some retail therapy yesterday. <laughs> um, but didn't even really spend a lot. I just bought a dress that I was like, hmm, do I need this dress? No. Do I want this dress? Yes. So I bought the dress. Um, and you know what? It helped in the moment. Where's Where's the dress from? The dress is from a uh, vintage consignment shop in Providence called The Vault. Um, oh, yeah. We have one of those in Burlington. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so I got it from there. Um, yeah. And my hot take is that if you're on Twitter or Instagram in the last day or so, you have seen this meme or a tweet that says, uh, this is what Bushwick bars are starting to look like. And it's a picture from like the 2010s of that white boy who is holding both of his fists together and his the, palms. I had to do it to him guy or whatever. Yeah. You know, I had to do it to, d- did it to him or whatever. Yeah. He's wearing a button down and he's wearing like white ca- <laughs> or he's wearing like khaki shorts and, um, Sperry's. And everybody has been saying that Bushwick bars are starting to look like that as though this is a terrible thing, which one part of my hot take is that Bushwick bars have been looking like that since 2016. Um, like tech, <laughs> tech bros have been moving into Bushwick since 2016. So famously the year I moved to Bushwick too. <laughs> yeah, famously the year that I left. That's why I left everyone. Um, so I don't really That's understand. That's why I came. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't really know what everyone's talking about and two i would much rather uh be around guys that dress and look like that rather than be around a bunch of nyu boys who wear doll skill outfits and are also (laughs) assholes of the same Uh degree but uh pretend like they're not because they dress Mm -hmm. alternatively (laughs) so i think that everyone needs to kind of calm down a little bit And honestly, the only bars in Bushwick where I have seen guys like that are Moodring and Bossa Nova. Um, And that's why... That's a hot, hot take. (laughs) And that's why I don't really go to either that much. Well, I never go to Moodring because I'm not 21. Um, (laughs) And I only go to Bossa Nova to make out with guys that look like that. So I personally am okay with it. And you know what? I hope that more guys start going to bars and Bushwick like that. That's really the hot take. It should be noted that this hot take does come with a little bit of bias that you are super (laughs) horny for guys like that. I am super horny for guys like that. (laughs) But, you know, regardless, the the point remains that I don't think there's really any type of, like, there's no demographic that is worse than the other when it comes to essentially what we're talking about is just different types of gentrifiers. <laughs> like yeah. what we really want the bars in Bushwick to look like are mostly locals whose families have been here for 50 plus years, you know, yeah. but I'm not going to get, I'm not going to be nitpicky about um, if they're wearing, if the, if the gentrifiers in the bar are wearing khakis or trip pants you know they're they're just as big of assholes in the grand scheme yeah it's really funny to see like all of our including us we're gentrifiers to see all of our gentrifier friends um sharing these posts 
Um, And so we, as the locals of Bushwick, don't also want to throw up when they see us um, in bars that used to be like a community center that they hung out in. (laughs) So I just think we all kind of need to kind of take a step back and take a look in the mirror. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) <laughs> the hot take is take a look in the mirror. Yes. Um, and while you're there, fix your bangs. You fix um, your bangs. <laughs> and wipe your nose. <laughs> that goes for everyone this summer. Wipe your nose. <laughs> There's a lot of powder on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you for trusting us with that. Um, my keepsake is um the trip to Asheville I just took was super great I like did some really fun shows while I was there and it was nice to do shows that weren't in New York City because like historically um in in comedy it's more likely that you're gonna get more time on stage in cities like in, in one set um in cities outside of New York and LA And so I was able to do my first like 20 minute set in like almost two years because um, the pandemic has made it so I haven't been doing comedy, obviously. And then since I've been back, I've basically just been doing comedy in New York and get doing like seven minute sets, which are great. But, you know, a 20 minute set allowed me to like do some new jokes and also like try to remember old jokes and like get used to doing crowd work again. And like, you know, I just had more time to get used to doing comedy again. And that was really, really nice. Um, And it was also nice to uh, have some of our friends, our Asheville friends come out and see what I do, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I got to absolutely destroy a comedian destroys heckler. (laughs) (laughs) But I did. There were, like, some really homophobic, annoying hecklers at one of my shows in Asheville that, like, you know, I have a joke right now that I'm, like, um, I basically say, like, I'm not sure straight people still exist after the year we just had. And, like, if you came out of lockdown without any new search words, you have to go back in. You're not done cooking yet. It's, like, essentially the joke about how, like, straight people are irrelevant, you know, like... And in the joke, I also say, like, if you're still um, having sex to have kids, you need to take a look outside, you know, like just a little joke about how straight people obviously straight people still exist. But, you know, it's a joke about how they shouldn't. And there were like this and most straight people laugh at this fucking joke. But there were this like, I guess, two like boomer couples that were sitting in the very front row. And in the middle of that joke, one of the women like raised her hand and she was like, I am. I'm still straight. Like, I'm a straight person that exists. And I was like, "Okay, thank you so much for trusting us with that. Like, that's so brave. Everyone give it up for this straight woman. And I like tried to just move on. But then she and like her friend just like kept interrupting and like, talking about like how straight people like if straight people had their own flag it sure wouldn't be a fucking rainbow and like how straight people need their own bars and they just like kept interrupting my set with like oh my god comments like that and I eventually just like told them to shut the fuck up and like (laughs) I (laughs) and I was like you're making everyone really uncomfortable like um there's a lot of queer people in this room including myself and like this is a bar with a fucking gay pride like flag 
hanging on the wall. Like, you're obviously not, you're in the minority here. And like, you need to stop talking or you need to leave. And then one of them was like, you're right. Like, everyone is really uncomfortable. Like, I'm really uncomfortable right now with how much you're like shaming us for being straight. And I was like, yeah, that's, it was just fucking crazy. And I basically eventually got them to leave while also like making fun of them and getting really big laughs from the rest of the audience. Um, And that in itself was kind of a keepsake because uh, that's a part of comedy that is very scary. But when you're like able to handle it well, it's like so satisfying. And, um, you know, it sucks that it happened at all. Like, obviously, I'm not like, ooh, like, thank you for that opportunity. Like, fuck them for sure. But it was still like, cool to see I still got it, you know? (laughs) Um, uh, And then I got a really annoying fucking message a couple days later um, from somebody that was at that show that like didn't know that they were being homophobic and tried to tell me that like a better comedian wouldn't have like handled it like that. And that like, I like made these poor people who were just trying to have a good time, like leave for no reason. And I was like, interesting that you wanted to offer me this feedback um, because you either didn't hear how homophobic they were being, or you're like defending these homophobic people. Um, oh. And in, in either case, fuck you, you know? Um, and of course it was like a boomer straight guy who was like, I've never done comedy in my life, but I'm going to find you on Facebook and let you know how you could be better at it. Like, fuck off. But it remains my keepsake nonetheless. <laughs> um, my Asheville comedy experience. My mistake... <clears throat> I mean... I mean, it's not so much a mistake on my part because I'm, like, proud of how I handled everything that happened in this case. But it's more like the opposite of a keepsake and that it, I'm just sad it happened at all. Like, I don't think yeah. I made a mistake. But what I'm sad happened is yesterday um, a friend that I've known for, like, five years um, misgendered one of our mutual friends who he had no business misgendering. Like he knows this person really well. And he has been very much in this person's life for as long as they've been going by the pronouns that they use. And, um, and I just sort of like gently corrected him and also kind of made a point because this, the friend that it happened about has mentioned to me that this particular person has like continually misgendered them and it's made them uncomfortable. So without saying, hey, this person said this, I like more just said, like, I really hope you don't like you don't habitually do this. Like, that would be really disappointing if um, you frequently misgendered this person because like you're you're someone that's like in their life a lot. And like you should be um, you should be the person correcting other people. You know, like it was just it was disappointing that you. Um, did this, but not only did it, but didn't even correct yourself when like you should be someone correcting other people. And this person reacted so strongly to me and was basically like unleashed on me about how like this is why they've never liked me and why nobody likes me because I'm always on this high horse about like fucking gender and sexuality, like politics and like 
I need to understand that sometimes people just fuck up and like that doesn't make this person a bad person. And in fact, they're a really good person. And I don't even know what, what how good of an ally they are. Oh and like, God. it was, they literally like, I have a lot of black friends to it by like literally naming other queer people that like them. Oh and I was God. like, it was really fucking weird. And I said that to them. I was like, it's really disappointing the way you're like centering yourself in what could have been a two- sentence back and forth like hey you misgendered that person and that was shitty and you could have said my bad thank you for like pointing that out but instead you turn this into like why you fucking hate me and always have which how come this hasn't come up in the five years we've known each other you know and uh why you're such a great person is like you, the way that he was able to like pivot that conversation into like how I don't even know what a good person he is was like so like diabolical and like manipulative and so telling. And it was just like really disappointing because I've been, like I said, friends with this person for like five years. And after this conversation, I have no interest in really continuing any kind of friendship um, or acquaintanceship. And that's a bummer because we have a lot of people in common, but like, you know, it's a very it was a very telling conversation. <laughs> and I guess my mistake in it was um thinking that they were someone who would have been safe and or receptive to um like a small correction and a suggestion on how to be like a better friend to this person that we both have in common. Um like that I guess would be my one mistake is that I completely misjudged how this person um, is actually an ally. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, I do. That's, I'm sorry, that's fucking insane. Yeah, it was insane. I'll show you the screenshots because it is like, it's a why. it was wild. The, yeah, the show me the screenshots reaction. and tell me who this is because I think you've talked to me about this person, both these people You know before. what's so funny is that I actually have not talked to you about this person yet. It's like probably oh, okay. not who you think it is, but it, the, the person that they misgendered is probably for sure who you're thinking of. Who I of, think it is, yeah. Yeah, but because it's like one of my closest, closest friends and has been one of my closest friends for like, seven plus years and like I just wasn't gonna like kind of stand by while they weren't present and let one of their very good friends misgender them and not correct themselves like that was really and I listen I have a lot of sympathy for the you know both of us have known this person since before they used these pronouns and sometimes you know you fuck up and you your job is to correct yourself in that moment though whether that person is present or not you know and like it would be one thing if that's what happened like I wouldn't have like I wouldn't have probably said everything that I said about like how I hope you don't make a habit of this or whatever if he had just corrected himself but he didn't do that so that was really concerning to me because I'm like I know that you're around this person a lot and like you have no reason to not know their pronouns by now they've been going by these pronouns for like over a year but you know people do fuck up and i am sympathetic to that but like you just need to be a little bit more accountable and i'll also not center yourself when you're corrected that's fucking like ally 101 if you want to talk about what a good ally you are like the first thing you should do is not talk about how great of a person you are <laughs> when yeah. you misgendered someone. 
oh, it was so weird. And like literally like name dropped like a famous queer person that they know that they know I'm a fan of to be like that person knows I'm a good person. And I was like, I literally don't give a fuck. Like what? (laughs) That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Also, it seemed to be completely lost on them that when you misgender a trans or non-binary person to another trans and or non-binary person, it's not just hurtful to the person you misgendered, but it's also hurtful to the person that you are misgendering them to. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like, I'm like, you're disregarding this other non-binary person to my face, and I'm also non-binary? Like, so even... And, like, that's not the point. Like, to, the point to me is very much more the other person. But the fact that that was also lost on him, that this wasn't just, like, a conversation about this other person's feelings. Like, it was a conversation about all trans and non-binary people's feelings and myself among them. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Ugh. Anyway. So that was my mistake, I guess. It was more his mistake, but it was my mistake for engaging as much as I did and for thinking he was someone that he wasn't. And that's just a huge bummer. And it sucks to like lose a friend like that. But I'm for sure never talking to him again unless I get a very thorough apology. Um, But like literally for sure, never talking to this person again after that conversation. Like, No, I don't blame you. I have no reason to. Yeah. Um, Anyway... My hot take is kind of to piggyback off of that. Um, It's something that I posted in my story yesterday and I like a lot of people reacted really positively to it. And so I just thought that it might be nice to say it on the podcast Um, because something that he kept saying during our argument was that like I thought that I was like this perfect person who can like exalt myself over anyone who fucks up ever um, because, because I corrected him. Right. And that got me thinking about, like, it was just so obvious that he was reacting from a place of ego and not like really caring about what the conversation was actually about. And I just realized that I think that's how a lot of, like, I mean, obviously this isn't news to anybody, but that's how a lot of people react when they're corrected. That's for sure how white people react a lot about racial things. It's like now all of a sudden about like our feelings about how we don't want to be racist more than it is about like, you know, the way that we may be perpetuating racism, whether we think we're racist or not. Like it just reminded me of conversations we have around what to do when you are corrected. You know what I mean? And like, Mm -hmm. um, so my, hot take, which is not that hot of a take, but more of a reiterating a lot of other people's takes based on this experience I had, is that when someone holds you accountable, it doesn't mean that that person like thinks they are infallible or that they don't make any mistakes. Um, It's actually them. It's actually like a compliment that they think that you can do better than what you are currently doing in this moment. And they want to hold you to that standard. And it's usually because other people have done the same for them in the past and they learned and grew from it and they expect to receive that more in the future, you know, like, yeah, for like, I have been corrected on people's pronouns before and have been like completely fucking embarrassed and ashamed when it's been somebody that I should have known better. Um, like there's no part of that conversation where I felt like he made a mistake that I've never made. Obviously, like I, 
we everybody misgenders people by accident. Like that's part of this like moment in history that we're in is like navigating that with grace, you know? Um, and so I, I like, there is no part of me who thinks that um, <laughs> I'll never make a mistake again, or that I'll never get like a message similar to the one that I sent him again. Like, in fact, I like, welcome that and look forward to it because um it's like a compliment to be held accountable because if you if you're somebody who wouldn't do better anyway people wouldn't bother with you and like that's kind of like what I learned about him is that he's not someone I'm even gonna bother with in the future you know um but like correcting him in that moment and like even taking the time to talk to him about it was in that moment a compliment about how I thought that he was somebody who was like worth talking with obviously correct people's pronouns no matter what but you know I probably wouldn't have had as I wouldn't have attempted to have a conversation more in depth than like hey don't do that um if I didn't think that he was somebody who was worth doing that for so my hot take is like someone holding you accountable does not mean they think they're better than you it's that they think that you're better than what you're currently doing yep and that's a tough pill to swallow, you know? It it definitely fucking sucks <laughs> to be corrected and or held accountable. I relate. And sometimes people are completely out of fucking line, too. It's not like every single time someone corrects you, they're they're right. Um, but, you know, maybe just, like, have a little bit of fucking grace. <laughs> that's my hot take. Have some fucking grace, you fucking <laughs> annoying assholes. Anyway, <laughs> I can't wait to show you these screenshots. It is one of the most bonkers conversations I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I'm um, excited. <laughs> and I also just like protected his identity like a motherfucker. There are so many ways I could have sort of made it obvious who it is. And I still didn't because I'm the bigger fucking person. <laughs> and I'm just moving on, okay? Um, but, you know, he's got... He's got a few more. He, that, that's he's got a few more strikes, but I'm not going to do that forever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, fuck up of the week. Of the week. Because this has become such a pop culture podcast. Uh huh. Um, I would say that the baby. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, saying, big time. Put your phones up in the air if you don't have HIV AIDS or STIs. And put your phones up in the air if you aren't getting your dick sucked in the parking lot. I think you uh-huh. said sucking dick in the parking or lot. Or sucking dick in the parking <laughs> lot. Um, I think getting your dick sucked in the parking lot is something he would really respect. It's yeah, yeah, the yeah, sucking yeah. of the dick. Of that the he- dick. <laughs> yeah. So I think baby being um, a violent, violent homophobe um, and misogynist at his concert this week or last week yes. would definitely be the fuck up. Um, I also Agreed. think that the... I also think that the fuck up, honestly, would be a lot of Dua Lipa's fans coming for our girl Dua to immediately come out and say something because he was on her song. And she did find, she did say something yesterday on her Instagram. But also, it's just like, I don't know. I, I just feel like, obviously, I was like waiting for her to say something, but I didn't, she wasn't really even on my mind 
Um, yeah. Because it's not like the original song is with him. And it was just, like, so wild to me. Like, the way that people were so willing to, like, immediately cancel her. And also, it's like, why the fuck are, like, women always expected to step up and fucking, you know, like, clear the air and make it better when a shitty, horrible man does something? Like, she's not fucking dating this guy. She's not friends with him. He featured on one of her songs. Yeah. Also, often when somebody features on a song that already came out, the the two people didn't even like work in the studio together in most cases. Like they literally like record their feature and like send it to you. I think in this case, Dua and DaBaby were in the studio together because Dua is very hands on. But like the assumption that she spent like all this time with him is like, I don't know. Featuring is not the same as like having a band with somebody you know yeah. like they it's such a like political thing that usually the management and the labels are way more in charge of than the artists themselves like it's literally just oh like remixes and features are a way to just get a song to chart higher on the top 40 and that's literally like all it's for and so it's not like these two like worked tirelessly on this song together like she wrote and made this song and then months later he did one verse on it so that it it could chart more you know what i mean like it has yeah, nothing totally. really to do with her but i yeah i agree with you and i'm also glad i'm glad she did say something but it's not like if she never said something that any of this is like her her thing to even answer for you know she's done nothing but be an ally like yeah exactly it's what like was she we know where she stands. Exactly. And like, it would like, maybe let's have this conversation if she like were to ever feature with him again. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's, that is when I'd be like, huh, Dua, what's up with that? But like, it's not a crime that she needs to answer for that she featured with him before this happened. It's a weird thing. I'll say the other fuck up of the week Um Oh, also, there's just a really funny, like, tweet where it's, like, Dua running to remove um, that remix from Spotify and Apple Music. And it's, like, one of those videos of, like, Dua kind of, like, running across the stage or whatever. And it was just very funny. Um, Although I don't think it was removed, but it doesn't really need to be either. I want her to release, like, a a remix with just, like, a different person now, you know? But we don't... Yeah, no, it wasn't removed. It's still up. I'm looking at it. No. It doesn't really matter to me, though. Like, I mean, of course, of course, it would be nice if it was removed and he didn't get any more like revenue from that song. But it's also like, that's not the point. (laughs) Like, I there's a lot more things I want out of this situation um, to fix it than like Dua removing one of like her top charting songs. Like she's getting money out of that song, too. You know, like it's not. If anything, she's getting way more. Like, I want to still support her. And hopefully it doesn't get many more streams anyway. But, you know, it's like, that's not the priority to me is removing that song. Like, who fucking cares? But, um, but, you know, at our parties, we're going to go ahead and stream the original from now on. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I will say that the other fuck up of the week for sure is the way people are responding to Simone Biles um, stepping down from... Mm. Um, the like part of the Olympic competition that she stepped down from the other day. Yeah. Um, 
I, f- I think it's like so badass of her and also completely reasonable and necessary for her to, if she's not feeling well mentally, not want to perform an athletic feat that could literally kill her if she's not like performing at her top, like, um, you know, level of performance. You know what I mean? Like, yeah gymnastics can literally kill you if you don't do it properly. Like the way that she slipped up a little bit the other day, um, there multiple gymnasts have come forward and said, like, if it was another athlete who had made that mistake, um, they would have completely blown their knee out or like become paralyzed from a mistake like that. Like the fact that she's still walking and that she's okay physically is a credit to like what an incredible gymnast she is. Um, and, and like the fact that after that mistake is when she's like, I don't want to continue because I don't think I'm like mentally in the space to continue and I might make more mistakes. And I also just like, I've done this before. I've been in the Olympics before. I don't need to win these medals. Like I need to prioritize my own safety and health. Um, like that also, is a credit to what an incredible gymnast she is, that she knows her limits and that she knows herself and not even just a gymnast, but like a person. And like, ugh, the fact that anybody expects anything out of the Olympic athletes that are competing on behalf of America, as if that says anything about America itself is so fucking annoying to me. It's like, these people owe you nothing. They've been training their whole lives while you've been sitting and watching. And now you're upset if they don't do exactly what you wanted them to in this, like in the Olympics, which is literally nothing more than like, for a lot of people, a TV show, you know, (laughs) and this is these people's entire lives. I think we can trust them when they say they're not up to the task for whatever reason they see fit. Like, fuck off. I think it's so annoying. And I also think it's a reaction that is very gendered and very racial. Like, I think if a white man that was a gymnast that we were all putting <coughs> our, like hopes into, or if like, let's say, um, what's his name? That swimmer, Michael, whatever. Michael Phelps. Phelps. I feel like if he, cause he's a mental health advocate. If he like took the back seat for like because of his mental health I think yes he would still get some backlash but not to this extent because I think people would be like that's a real man you know (laughs) they'd be like he knows when to say no or whatever and it's because um, it's a woman and more so a black woman that is like putting setting boundaries for her own health and safety that people like are losing their goddamn minds over it and it's very disappointing to see so it's definitely not her fuck up but it's the world's fuck up on how they're reacting to her. Um, Agreed. And can you imagine after everything she's been been through, she's been the face of this whole Larry Nasser like debacle and like oh yeah, you know like she's been through so much to act like she owes the like gymnasts of America anything after they like completely enabled her abuser all these years and like. She put her like career on the line and her life and safety on the line to like 
stick her neck out for herself and all the other people he abused. And now people are like, and she needs, she needs to go win us those medals. It's like, no, she fucking doesn't calm down. She's literally the greatest gymnast of all time. And we already Mm -hmm. like, we already can say that about our precious American gymnast. Once again, as if that has anything to do with America itself and not her individual, extremely hard work and endurance, but whatever, like we can already claim the greatest gymnast of all time. We don't need Another gold medal from her. She's done enough. That's my Simone Biles <laughs> soapbox. Thank you very much. I absolutely agree. Thank you for standing on that box for all of us. <laughs> <clears throat> I just love her so much. I do want to do an episode about her in general because not that she's made any like specifically huge mistakes, but she's an incredible person to witness making mistakes. Yeah. Um, and like there are there have been times where she's like fucked up pretty largely in in a like routine and she will still win because of like how incredible the rest of the routine was and like because of how well she recovered from the mistakes. And I just think that she's like such an icon um, as far as mistakes go, as far as our niche of mistakes go. Um, Simone, come on the pod. Come on the pod. <laughs> Um, anyway, speaking of American icons, um, this, <laughs> <laughs> this episode is about Trisha Paytas, <laughs> um, and Ethan Klein. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, it, this has been surprisingly a highly requested <laughs> topic um and so you know you asked we delivered we're talking about the frenemies um breakup and all the mistakes that led it. to it yeah <laughs> you're gonna love it all right um i'm gonna go keep fucking gardening because i'm a wholesome cottage core uh queen ever since you left and i'm and... gonna go uh take a shower and then eat shrimp scampi that I didn't pay for. That is um, goals. That's goals. Goals. (laughs) All right. Get into it, besties. Bye. Bye. Listener mistakes. This is a very short listener mistake, but it's a doozy. Greetings. I have a mistake for your podcast. When I was getting started as a mailman in Vermont, a supervisor was following behind my truck so he could monitor me and show me the ropes. It made me so nervous that I crashed into a FedEx (laughs) FedEx truck. It didn't do any damage and the FedEx driver let it slide, so I didn't get fired. I crashed my truck again a month later. (laughs) If you'd allow me to be anonymous for, for this one, that would be great. Best regards. Oh, my God. That's terrible. (laughs) That sucks. That does suck. That's, like, nightmare stuff. (laughs) To, like, be monitored and then crash the fucking... Like, your job is basically to drive when you're a mailman. (laughs) And you do, like, the thing you're not supposed to do when driving. That's awful. (laughs) (laughs) It does remind me of my car accident because I also got into... I mean, like, my car accident was terrible, but it wasn't just, like... A little crash doesn't doesn't do any damage, but I like it was, I think, 
similar levels of like adrenaline probably were happening in both situations. Um, and I also got in a car accident literally a month later after oh my, my first car accident. And knock on wood, no others since then. And that was, you know, eight Praise years be. ago. What? Praised be. Praised be. Yeah. Um, well, I feel for you, anonymous listener. <laughs> Thank you for writing a short and sweet doozy that fucking blows. <laughs> um, write in again and let us know if you crashing the truck a month later did get you fired because you only said on the first accident that it didn't get you fired. But was this the crash that broke the mailman's truck's back <laughs> hopefully it didn't break anyone's back I don't mean that but you know <laughs> um, deep dive yeah deep dive deep dive funny that you're uh, doing what you're doing for this episode today I didn't even know that until you just told me and my deep dive is also kind of similar so, um, my deep dive is about my friend breakup with um, my best friend at the time, Justin. Not going to include his last name, um, which you have heard a lot about. Um, if you're friends with me, if you're close friends with me, you've heard a lot about this person. So, you all know I'm clinically obsessed with gay Pisces, um, which he was. Um, <laughs> and obsessed with fighting with them. And obsessed... I mean, not really. <laughs> we only fought that one time. <laughs> I usually am eating out of the fucking out of that Pisces hand, yeah. um, as everyone knows. Um, so yeah, um, we had been friends since uh, my senior year of high school. We actually met when we were fourteen uh, in Camp Broadway, um, and we hated each other. We were like absolutely enemies. Um, and then I started hanging out with what was like an already formed friend group, um, that we very fucking clichely called the fam. Oof. I know. <laughs> um, and Justin and I still didn't like each other when I started hanging out with this friend group. And I was like intent on getting him to be my friend because I was like, I, I just felt a connection to him. And I was like, I know that we find each other annoying, but I think there's something deeper there. Um, so we ended up becoming friends. And then we, we had like multiple fights where we like fell out of touch. Um, we had one, my freshman year of college and we didn't talk for a year. And then when I transitioned and moved back to New York after studying abroad, I got a, tumblr message from him um being Call back i know being like hey girl so proud of you um i know that like we had our differences and we fell out of touch but i just think it's so dope that like you're being who you are etc so i was like you know what i miss this person i want to be friends with him again let's just make up so we made up and um justin was like one of the only ones in our friend group that um, or the only one in our friend group who had to drop out of his college or freshman year and move back home. So when I moved home summer of 2016, after having dropped out of the new school, we became super, super tight and kind of like trauma bonded 
over this experience um, and became tighter than we ever had before. And we spent literally every day together that summer. And like I was living in a new studio apartment and he put together all of my furniture. He helped me decorate my whole apartment. When I bought uh, my pet rat Petunia, he drove me to the pet store to buy her. Um, he would like he's an actor and he would run his lines in my apartment. We would like, you know, smoke weed together all day and he would sleep over like if you think me and this Pisces are attached <laughs> at the hip, like we are not as attached at the hip because I have been there before. And so I'm like, I have put up a guard a little bit of being like, let's never like get that close with a friend again, <laughs> because what it ended up being was a very unhealthy codependent friendship Yeah, totally. that lacked any and all boundaries. So mind you, summer of 2016 was extremely tough. I had been out for like six months as trans. I had to move back to my hometown, had to drop out of school so I was like miserable. Um, and I was also immature and young. I was 21 and I really took out all of my basically like the summer was really lit. Summer was great. We we all, you know, got drunk all summer and smoked a lot of weed. And it was like an A24 movie and we had fun. <laughs> and then, you know, and I had my studio apartment. So I was the only one who had a place we could party at. Um and then August rolled around and reality set in when all of my friends or all of our friends, mine and Justin's friends, started getting ready to pack up and go back to their respective colleges. And I went and got a job at Urban Outfitters and was like, oh, like summer's over and I am living in Providence again and I'm not going back to New York. This sucks. So the last half of summer... I just became like a raging cunt and really took it out on my friend group and felt very isolated because I was the only trans person in my friend group and felt very misunderstood and was just like a huge bitch to everyone to the point that a lot of the people in the friend group just like didn't want to be around me anymore. And we're like, Nika's a bitch and we don't want to hang out with her. We don't want her at parties. She makes us uncomfortable. She's mean to us. Why are we hanging out with her still? Um, so Justin was, you know, Justin was trying, I think, to figure out a way to salvage our friendship while also not having to sacrifice his own very rich social life. Um, and September rolled around and we are at our friend's house and we're all outside smoking some weed. And one of our friends asks me, what I'm dressing up as for the Halloween party that's happening in a week um, that Justin is apparently throwing. And I say, what Halloween party are you talking about? And she, the, the person who asks kind of, kind of does like a, like, Oh, like realizing that I was not invited. Ugh. So I immediately look over at Justin and Justin is looking at the ground and is not making eye contact with me. And so I yell at, you know, I, I start yelling at him and I ask him, you know, like, what the fuck? Are you seriously having a party that you didn't invite me to? Like, did you really think I wasn't going to find out? Um, so Justin is trying to defend himself and, you know, is explaining like, you know, multiple people didn't want you at that party. And they said that if you were there, they weren't going to come and I didn't know what to do. And I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Um so I just thought that if I didn't tell you, you wouldn't find out. Like I told everyone to just like keep it on the low. 
so they go inside, Justin and these friends, and I sit outside for like 25 minutes. I'm like frozen. And I'm like, okay, like, what do we do? Like, I don't want to go inside and talk to these people and like look at them because I'm embarrassed and I'm hurt. Um, so I just like get up and leave through the backyard and I walk home because I, I lived right near this house. So I walk home and as I'm walking home, I'm getting text messages from Justin saying, you know, did you just leave? Can we please talk about this? Let's talk about this. And I'm texting him back in like a blind rage. And, you know, I'm saying, go fuck yourself. This friendship is over. I want nothing to do with you. I can't believe you would do this to me. We're done. Don't ever text me again. So as I'm texting him this, he's texting me saying, please don't do this. Like, just try to be like rational about this. Like, please, like, let's like talk about this, like begging me to talk about it. And I am again in a blind rage and I'm like, absolutely not. I don't ever want to talk to you again. So I go back to my apartment and instead of just like turning off my phone and not texting him, I get increasingly more enraged and... um. This argument goes on for like two days where I am just like bombarding him with text. I um, I like flip out and I make him drive to my apartment to like give me money that he owed me for drugs. And I like slam the door in his face. I send him a photo of his bong that he left in my apartment uh, that I had thrown in the trash outside of my apartment and was like, come and get your fucking bong. It's in the trash. Um... And so naturally, as I'm like antagonizing him, he's getting increasingly angrier and is now doing exactly what I wanted him to do, which is sending me nasty text messages back because I was just waiting for him to be honest and say how he had obviously been feeling in my, you know, in my brain, I was like, it couldn't have just been that other people didn't want me at that party. You also had to have not wanted me there. So like, let's just be honest about how you must be feeling. In my immature brain. So he starts sending me back nasty text messages, um, some of which were true. And so I, like I used to always do, thank God I'm not this way anymore, say the meanest things I can possibly say. So for instance, he's going to Paris um, in like a few months with his aunt. And famously, a terrorist attack had just happened in Paris that summer. Um, So I tell him, you know have fun in Paris would be terrible if uh, if any ISIS terrorist attacks happened while you were there lol um, I call him a fucking loser I tell him he's gonna die in Rhode Island that uh, he's never gonna leave that if he actually had any talent he'd be in New York already um, that his acting career was gonna go nowhere um, just like going on and on and on and on and As I'm going on and on and on, he again is like begging me not to say what I'm saying Um, and is basically saying like, if you don't stop, there are going to be consequences. So I don't stop and our friendship effectively ends on, you know, both of our ends. I say our friendship is over, but I don't mean it. And then I push him so far that he is like, no, our friendship is really over now. So a few days go by of no contact And the reality finally sets in where I'm like, wait a minute, like, fuck. Like, I just did something terrible. I just ended our friendship. And, like, this person is someone I have spent every day with for the whole summer. And I'm like, you know, I deeply love this person. Like, what did I just do? Um, And so 
I like text him and I try to make up and naturally he's like I love you but like I really want nothing to do with you our friendship's over babe um so I proceeded to spend the next year the most heartbroken I have ever been in my entire life like no romantic heartbreak has ever emotionally destroyed me the way that this heartbreak emotionally destroyed me like literally sobbed on the floor of my studio apartment every night listening to like Fernando and like (laughs) SOS and I drove all night like just every like relationship breakup song in the book um and Providence is also a really 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 small city and we also like we had so many spots that we would go to together so like I would constantly run into him and we would just act like we were strangers um and yeah so I didn't see him for or I didn't talk to him for like three and a half years. Um, I saw him two years ago and we spoke um, and had like a moment where we like both apologized to each other and like hugged and it was cathartic, but it didn't make our friendship revive Mm. itself. Um, And I really only got over it, I would say in like the last year. Um, but it's still something I like get really sad about when I get like too drunk or too fucked up on drugs. Like I often will have moments where I like go into the bathroom if I'm like with our friends to like go get like teary eyed about it. Mm, Um, I relate to that. Yeah. And I mean, listen, I will say like he, we were both not good friends to each other in a lot of ways and we both lacked boundaries. Um, but I definitely blamed him for years um and like dragged his name through the mud to like anyone who would listen which like there's this like really corny tumblr quote that i used to think was bullshit but i kind of believe it now where it's like you know if somebody hurts you and you basically it's like it's a mark of somebody knowing that they fucked up uh hardcore and that like they did something that they're not proud of if they go out of their way to speak negatively about somebody that they had a falling out with. And like, Mm. that's what I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really don't think that he talked all that badly about me. Like I never, word never got back to me that he was talking shit about me, but I constantly was talking shit about him to people and was like really adamant that people would not like him, Um, which didn't work. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I mean, obviously my mistake was just, the absolute like blind rage that I allowed to take over myself um, and just like going out of my way to hurt someone as much as I had felt they had hurt me instead of um, instead of just like being an adult and being like my feelings are hurt and here is why, mm. um, which is why recently when I had this fight, I really went out of my way when I was trying to fix things to not react that way. Yeah. Um, and to be vulnerable and to cry in front of that person and to, you know, say, like, our friendship is so important. This is hurting my feelings. Like, let's actually fix this. Um, yeah. Because I wish that I had done that with Justin instead of just being an absolute con and being like, nope, I don't care. Like, I'm glad our friendship is over. <laughs> Peace. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I definitely learned from it for sure. But I think it's something I will probably, like, think about for the rest of my life, more than likely. Um, and, like, I miss a lot of, like, what we had together. And I miss our friendship. Because it was, like, a very special 
friendship that I don't think I like don't have that with the friends that I have now. I think I have it even more so in a healthier way. Um, but it would still be, it was really heartbreaking for me because it was one of the few friends that I had that had known me before I transitioned and had known me like in my youth. And I don't really, or not really, I like don't have any friends that knew me in my youth and knew me before I transitioned mm. anymore because I have cut all of them out of my life. <sighs> um, and I think like as for me as a trans person, it's really important to have those connections to people who knew me back then. Um so like it's also just important as a person to have people from your youth totally totally yeah and I do have people from my youth but I just mean like having close friendships of with people who were there with me through it all um through every phase of like my identity being in flux um it's like a bummer that I don't have any of those friendships now and he's the only friendship in that particular friend group that I actually miss all the other friendships I were like I was like rather um, not upset about them ending Mm. and was like, okay, cool. Like, bye. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I relate hard to a lot of that. And you know who else would relate? (laughs) (laughs) Um, This week's best mistake. Best mistake. Trisha Paytas would relate deeply to (laughs) the story you just told. Um, And I want to clarify that I think this mistake I'm about to talk about is not just Trisha's alone. I think Ethan Klein also made a lot of mistakes. But how it relates to your mistake, I would say, is that a lack of healthy boundaries in the beginning of a friendship ultimately culminated in um, a basic miscommunication and, you know, like small fuck up exploding in a needless way to like end something that neither person actually wanted to end, but they didn't give, they didn't properly set themselves up with the communication tools or the boundaries to handle like a conflict that they both felt so strongly about. Yeah. Which I think is accurate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's clear that both people regret deeply that it happened. And I think, I mean, at least you regret it. And I would assume Justin does too, but yeah. sometimes the, sometimes the conflict um is some like what, what the conflict brings out in someone is uh, a difficult thing to like get over, even if you wish you could. And I think that that is, um, why one of the most popular podcasts in the world, Frenemies, ended last month or a couple months ago or whenever that fucking happened, but recently. <laughs> um, so let's get into it. If you're not familiar, Frenemies was a podcast that lasted eight months. <laughs> it started in like September of last year and ended, or maybe. I don't know if it... Yeah, it, it, I think it lasted about eight months, maybe nine months, but it didn't even last a year. Um, and it was a podcast that was hosted by two kind of infamous YouTubers, Ethan Klein and Trisha Paytas. So to fully understand why this podcast was such an enormous success um, and why it was like such a big deal, even to people who were not really in the YouTube community... Um, you have to understand who Ethan Klein and Trisha Paytas are. A lot of people are probably at least familiar with Trisha. 
Trisha has been on YouTube since basically YouTube started. I think her first YouTube video is from 2006, which is the year YouTube started. Um, She started regularly uploading, I would say, sometime in 2007, 2008, I became aware of her probably 2008, 2009. Um, is like the, that's when she started really blowing up. She became famous for having like really clickbaity, um, like classically trolling kind of videos. She had videos about why she's a Republican, even though she's like a sex worker, and why she's voting for Donald Trump and like all these videos that were actually like not reflect a reflection of how she actually felt, but she knew would get like rage clicks. Mm -hmm. So she became kind of like the first or one of the first like big trolls and trolling is now something if you're not familiar with trolling, it's basically what I just said. It's like getting people mad on purpose to get clicks. Um, and she was like one of the first people to really perfect the art of the troll. Like she made some really divisive and controversial and offensive videos um, while all like being like ditzy and like cute and like having Hello Kitty everything and like talking about like stories that would make you kind of sympathetic to her at the same time. Like she was very vulnerable about being um, a stripper and having done full service sex work before and how she's um, mentally ill and how she was like sexually abused as a kid. And she like, while having these videos that like made her actually like kind of endearing and a like sympathetic character, she had these like really, divisive controversial videos and with those two things kind of combined she was just kind of a fascinating character and has continued to kind of capitalize on that like niche I guess or not even niche but like persona um, ever since and so she kind of dips in and out of cultural relevance um, but like she's been a constant on YouTube for as long as YouTube has existed. And in that way, she's kind of one of a kind. Like, there's not a lot of YouTubers that have that kind of, like, staying power. Um, She, one of the ways that she has maintained relevancy when she's kind of dipped has been befriending really famous people. She's been friends with Jeffree Star. She's been friends with David Dobrik. She's been friends with Shane Dawson. Um... She's been friends with, like, I think um, Tana Mongu, or at least she's been, like, lightly associated with Tana Mongu. She's, like, she's... She, she like, had a podcast episode with um, Courtney Stodden. Also, just to be clear, Trisha Paytas is non-binary and goes by both they and she pronouns. And I'll probably switch back and forth. I'm noticing that I'm using she a lot more with the past stuff because that's like what I knew her slash them as back then. And um, anyway, I mean, even Trisha doesn't solely refer to themselves as they them. But if anyone's listening and it's like, hey, I thought Trisha came out as non-binary. That's why I'm still using she her pronouns anyway. So Trisha um, with every phase that they've gone through with like the people that they associate with, um, there is always kind of a an event that happens where they're like very suddenly and dramatically not associated with those people anymore. It happened with David Dobrik. It happened with Jeffree Star. Um, it recently happened with Shane Dawson. 
like it's a pattern with Trisha that they like make these really strong connections, really strong internet friendships, make all these videos with these people. And then some like big thing happens where they're like, I'm not speaking to this person anymore. And here's why. And they have like 14 videos about it with ad rolls throughout each video. And it's like, (laughs) okay, so you're also like making money off of this falling out, which like I think the falling outs are sincere. But the reason that people kind of question the publicity factor of it is because Trisha does make money off of like these dramatic things happening in their life. So that's where I'm going to leave us with Trisha. I'm going to talk about Ethan Klein for a second now too. Ethan Klein is somebody that I was not super aware of or privy to before the Frenemies Frenemies podcast started. I knew he existed, but I like didn't watch any of his shit. But essentially he and his wife, Ela Klein... Um, they met, uh, Ela's from Israel, Ethan's from California. They met on his, um, birthright trip and, um, they lived in Israel together for a while and basically started making videos because Ela was like in this like creative media class. And so they started making videos in 2011, not expecting them to go anywhere. They were literally just uploading them to YouTube as like a place to put the silly videos they were making for like Ela's class. Um, But they started to gain an audience because they're the videos are like funny and they're like 2011 is when there was already like a lot of people trying to become famous on YouTube. And Mm -hmm. I think people really liked that Ethan and Ela were just like very sincere, authentic people that like, it didn't seem like they were trying to get anything out of posting these videos. They have a very viral video called Vape Nation where um, at this point they're living in New York and like they walk around New York City and Ethan is like vaping everywhere and making fun of like vape vape bros. And they even I think the reason the video goes so viral or it, it went so viral is because like at one point, like Ethan even gets to like he convinced an NYPD officer to let him sit in his cop car and vape for the video. Like, you know, they like went above and beyond to make like really fucking weird, funny content. Um, and people really responded to it. And um, Ethan started to get in the crosshairs of public opinion in kind of a similar way Trisha did. The more his YouTube career continued, the more like random YouTube drama he would get involved in. Um, I kind of relate to Ethan in this way. He like truly when he has an opinion, he cannot keep his fucking mouth shut about it. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of to his detriment. And he just has like a long checkered history of getting into like kind of needless controversies when everyone's like, yo, dude, the reason we like you is because you're funny and weird. We don't need you getting in these weird like battles with other YouTubers. Um, So he started to have a little bit of a fall from grace after his and Ela's channel H3 H3 Productions was like at one point one of the top channels in YouTube. Um, they started having like a dip in viewership and just like a dip in like people's like trust in the content they were making in the beginning of like 2020 is when you can like really see that they're kind of they've lost their way a little bit and like they have this podcast called the H3 podcast and they still have really big guests on it and stuff but you can see that like Ethan's heart isn't really in it anymore and like Ela has Ela is like a very successful like fashion designer kind of separate of the YouTube channel so you can tell that she's like whatever I'm just going to design clothes if this doesn't work out but like Ethan 
is in low spirits. Um, and so kind of similar to you and Justin, <laughs> Trisha and Ethan are both kind of in this place in like 2020 where they like need to find a new thing and they need to find it fast because like Trisha's been there before. Like Trisha, like I said, goes through dips and like finds ways to stay relevant um, no matter what. So I think it was kind of just that time, that time of the year for Trisha again. But Ethan was kind of there for the first time where he's like, fuck, like this thing that has been working out for almost 10 years is starting to not really work out. And like my my viewers don't really like me anymore. And like YouTube has turned on me. And so you can just tell he's he, he even starts talking about how he really wants to start a podcast with like a strong female personality. Like maybe he like mentions like maybe like Whitney Cummings because he's like friends with Whitney. Mm-hmm. Um, he like starts talking about how like he thinks his next move is to have a podcast with someone who isn't Ela, So Ela can, can like work on their clothes, their clothing line um, and basically like says like somebody who will get clicks. Right around the same time, Ethan makes a video about Trisha Paytas and about other YouTubers, too, or influencers, rather. That's like about people who look one way online and one way in real life. And it's kind of a weird misogynistic video, to be honest, kind of indicative of the very same shit that his audience didn't like him doing, which is like picking on other YouTubers and like saying weird shit where they're like, can you just go back to like vaping? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it's like this mean video where he... His intention is to, like, reassure young women that, like, nobody looks in real life the way they look on Instagram. But in the way that he does the video, he's really just, like, ripping these women in the video to pieces. And among them is Trisha Paytas. And so in the video, he's like, this one girl, Trisha Paytas, looks this way. And he shows this video of her all glammed up and, like, with a filter and, like, when in reality, she looks like this. And it's, like, this unflattering photo that ironically she posted to Instagram Hmm. for him to be able to even find. So it's like not that fair of a criticism, honestly, to say that she's like lying about how she looks if she's the one who posted the video or the photo. But Trisha sees this video and says basically what I just said, where she's like, that's funny that you said that because like, I know that I look vastly different when I'm wearing makeup and I I'm trying versus when I'm like in bed and look like shit. And that's why I posted both of those photos, you fucking asshole. And so they have this little beef about this like Instagram thing. And then he invites her on his podcast to like be like, okay, you made some good points. Why don't you come on the podcast? You're like a famous YouTuber. I'm a famous YouTuber. We can hash it out and also like maybe be friends at the end of this. She comes on the podcast and it's like a hit. Like it's one of their most viewed podcast episodes in a while. And um, there's this weird chemistry between Ethan and Trisha that everyone like all of both of their audiences immediately really like. And so then um, Ethan and Ela in their like attempt to find new things to um, post on their YouTube channel, they invite Trisha back for um, this like series that they had where it's like the bachelorette, but it's like when they spell the bachelorette, it has H and three where the H and E in bachelorette mm-hmm. would be. So it's the H three bachelorette. They have Trisha on that. And they basically like the point of it is the same as the bachelorette where it's like to try to find her a date. And in doing that, they become better friends. And Trisha even starts dating Ela's brother, Moses. 
um, because Moses kind of like learns who Trisha is through the bachelorette and they start dating because of that like video series. And so now Trisha is like in their life in this way that Ethan's wheels start turning and he's like, maybe this is the person that I should start this podcast with. But they still like have this tension between them because the way they met is because they didn't like each other. Um, So the podcast in its like essence is about them liking each other, but not really liking each other. So they call it frenemies. And the first few episodes are like really entertaining. They're giving each other a lot of shit. They're like becoming more and more friendly and familiar. Trisha's kind of picking on Ethan, being like, I'm dating your brother-in-law. Like, I'm going to join your family soon. Ethan's picking on Trisha, being like, I don't want you dating my brother-in-law. And like, I think you're an unhinged, crazy person. Um, And then the podcast starts to take this weird humanizing turn where both of their audiences kind of find... Like this, this podcast gives both of them this kind of new leaf that they were both really desperately looking for, where the H3 audience kind of gives Trisha this new chance to like show who they really are. Like Trisha comes out as non-binary during this time. Trisha comes out about, or at least starts being more honest about um, their uh, borderline personality disorder diagnosis, um, their uh, paranoid schizophrenia diagnosis. Um, And also for context, right before the podcast came out, Trisha got in some hot water about like coming out as a trans man and everyone being like, well, you're not a trans man. This is insulting to the trans community. Like everyone kind of took it as this like another time that Trisha was trolling. Um, And so when Trisha came out as non-binary, that kind of like made the whole internet sort of see Trisha as like, oh, well, we totally misunderstood you. And like when you came out as a trans man, that was like you still figuring out your gender. And we see that now. And we're so sorry for like thinking that you were trolling. And it really just gives Trisha specifically this like whole new lease on life. Like this, the internet like has this whole new opinion on Trisha where they're now this person that is like going through this gender and sexuality thing in like in front of the world with this man next to them kind of legitimizing it essentially like mm-hmm. because Ethan is like has Trisha's back everyone takes Trisha a little bit more seriously yeah. and because Trisha is giving Ethan clout <laughs> Ethan has an audience again um and then they both do what they always did on their own together and they start making picking fights with other YouTubers, but together. And so they go after David Dobrik together and they go after Keemstar together and they go after Shane Dawson together. They go after James Charles together. And because all of these people that they go after actually were kind of shitty people that were doing shitty things that there were actual receipts for, Mm -hmm. um, the internet in general started to have this opinion of Ethan and Trisha where it's like, wow, these two have really like turned things around and they actually like are in the right about all these things and like we're like you know they're no longer the ones that need to be called out they're doing the calling out and there was just like this total 180 on how the internet really saw both of them mm-hmm. um and then around episode 18 so 18 weeks into the podcast 
Trisha and Ethan have this blowout fight where Trisha quits the podcast on air and walks out. Um, and in the fight, which is kind of triggered by like nothing, like it's a really, it's an, it's a really small, it's like, it could have been a very small fight, but it starts to like escalate in this way that by the end of the fight, Trisha calls Ela a cunt mm-hmm. and calls Ethan a cuck and huh. says like, if they were good parents, they wouldn't have a nanny. Mm-hmm. Like so, these really weird low blows for like oh, almost God. no reason. I relate to Trisha. <laughs> <laughs> And like storms off the podcast um, and it just ends with like Ethan alone. And um, according to both of them, they like talked after the podcast and they both decided that the right thing to do would be to like air the podcast anyway. So Ethan releases the podcast on his channel and Trisha makes all these videos about why they quit the Frenemies podcast and like like maybe I like in the videos, they also express this like kind of regret. They're like, I shouldn't have. And I probably should just talk to Ethan and Ela about like these certain things I was feeling. And if you like, it's not that important, but what the fight was basically about was about Moses and about how like Ethan and Ela sort of felt that Trisha was putting a wedge between Moses and his family. And like, that's very clear how that could trigger someone, especially someone with a history of mental illness and having a hard time holding on to friendships and relationships Mm -hmm. to be told that like, you're the reason that your friends whose brother you're dating aren't like as close with that brother anymore. Like, it's understandable why Trisha was triggered, but it like came to this like very unreasonable height that Trisha immediately recognized and kind of like apologized online for and the next week, there was a new episode of Frenemies. Like, you know, the the way it was like a quick turnaround where they clearly like kind of handled it behind the scenes. And this is actually when I started watching because this controversy of them quitting um, like made it a very talked about podcast that week. And so a lot of people actually found the podcast because of this fight. And then they were like, see, we are frenemies. Like we've gotten this fight and now we're friends again. And now it's like it's right around Christmas time. So they had all these like weird holiday segments. And like it was like this. They had Dr. Drew on to like mediate their like fight and talk about like why Trisha got triggered. And like there was almost like this this like borderline personality disorder awareness month that they had where like three episodes in a row were all about like Ethan trying to understand Trisha's triggers better and like Dr. Drew telling Ethan how like he mishandled the situation because like it's easy to see how Trisha did but like let's talk about how you could have been a better support for your friend in this situation and there's like this it's almost like this fight both made them better friends but also made like the podcast a more interesting podcast Mm -hmm. and made the the audience way bigger and now their podcast is getting at least like 3 million views per episode. It's become like up there with like some of the biggest podcasts in the world. And after that fight, they they had gotten in some other fights before, some other arguments. Trisha had like, um, I think at least one other time, like almost quits the podcast. But in general, that fight is like their rock bottom. And they had been just digging out of that rock bottom ever since. Um, and to everybody it was like wow look at how well Ethan is managing Trisha's like 
personality disorder as like a good friend and a support system to them. And look at how Trisha is working so hard at this and being like better at not getting like as triggered. And when they are triggered, they're not reacting as strongly. And just it was a very like warm and fuzzy feeling. And they it was just a really like the podcast was honestly like really great after that. Like they're they're talking about mental health stuff. They're talking about like communication stuff. But there's this obvious ticking time bomb, I think, to anybody who has been watching Trisha since 2006 and Ethan since 2011, that like as great as they're both being, there's also this like denial that I think everyone saw, or at least I did. And they would make jokes about it. They'd be like, oh, like we're doing so great now, but like when's the next blowout fight going to be? Or like when is Trisha going to really quit the podcast? And there's just like this, there's like this elephant in the room that is not really being addressed, which is that a lot of their quote unquote good communication that they're having is kind of the result of Ethan walking on eggshells around Trisha and Trisha suppressing genuine gripes that they have because they don't want to come off as going crazy again. So... Eventually, um, there comes a time, there comes an episode where, for God knows what reason, they start talking about the money the podcast makes on the podcast, which, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think the reason they felt comfortable doing that is because, like, part of their uh persona their collective podcast persona is that they're they're real and they talk about everything and like they're not like these other youtubers that are putting on this front like this is who they really are and they're not hiding anything from their viewers yeah so they talk about money and um it's obvious pretty immediately in the conversation that they're both kind of talking about two different things and arguing with each other about like not what the other one's talking about. So Trisha brings up what I think is kind of a valid point where even though they're doing this podcast in Ethan's studio and with his podcast staff and with and they're posting it on his channel, um, this is still money that they're both making and Trisha, in order to feel like a full partner in the podcast, would like a say in um, the people that they hire for the podcast and not necessarily who Ethan hires in general. Like Trisha's like, what if we had some frenemies specific staff so that I don't feel like a guest on my own podcast? And like there's just a little bit. Because the, the the staff that they're using is the staff that Ethan uses for his other two podcasts. And they're people that Trisha really likes and gets along with and wants to keep still working on the podcast. But Trisha was like, well, what if we hire just like a production manager for just frenemies mm-hmm. so that I'm not like dealing with your staff when I have an idea or whatever. And Ethan hears this as Trisha... Um, complaining about the production fee that he takes out of the frenemies money because the way they split the money is that Trisha gets 45% and Ethan gets 55% and that five that extra 5% only goes to production costs and so Ethan like hears this as Trisha being like you're like mismanaging that 5% production cost and like I want to fire your staff and hire a whole new staff 
And he just it's just like obvious that they're not actually hearing each other. And they just start fighting about this 5%. Yeah. And it becomes this big blowout fight where um, Trisha just like obviously is triggered again. And Ethan is, I think, frustrated because all he's hearing is that Trisha thinks it's unfair that he gets this 5%. Um, and to him, he's like, this is actually like an amazing deal because this is my studio, my staff, my channel, and I'm still giving you essentially 50%, which like all you technically are is like talent showing up to the podcast. You don't do any of the like behind the scenes work or editing or any of it. So and so to Ethan's credit, that's true. Like there's no other podcast in the world that would be giving Trisha that amount of the money for just being a co-host and not doing any of the production stuff. Yeah. So technically, they're both making good points, but they're fighting about two different things. And um, viewers of the podcast will all agree that this is part of the pizza curse because they ordered pizza right before they got in this fight and they ordered pizza right Mm. before they got in the other fight. So everyone's like, you just shouldn't have ordered pizza. And then you guys would have understood each other. And it's like, "Uh, I don't know. Could have been that they should have talked about money mm, at the very beginning of the podcast. Um, (laughs) Should have talked about money Eight months ago. I don't know. Maybe not on air. But yeah, for sure. The pizza curse. So (laughs) Trisha walks off set again. Right before expressing like, I don't want this to be another episode where I walk off set. And then we end the episode with you just like looking at me walk off. Like, I I don't want to be dramatic. I just want to be able to leave. Like, can we end the episode together right now? And like, Ethan... I think it was kind of a shitty, shady move where he's like, yeah, we're ending it right now. And then he still ends it with her walking off, mm. um, which I just like, you know, when somebody expresses like they could have just ended the podcast said, hey, bye, everyone. Yeah. And then cut it there. But it still just ends with Trisha like storming off, quote unquote, when I think Trisha was just having an emotional reaction, wanted to go cool off, did not intend on that being the end of the podcast or like Trisha quitting, just was like, can we please just come back next week and like n- not talk about this on air was kind of the vibe. Yeah. Um, the very next day before the Frenemies podcast airs publicly because they have like a tier on their YouTube channel where if you pay monthly, you can get the episode a day ahead. So the the members that pay got the episode. And I think that's when Trisha saw that it was still like it still ended not the way that they had explicitly asked it to end. So bef- the day before the, the podcast airs to the public, Trisha makes a video saying I'm quitting frenemies. And here's why. Um and then chaos ensues because Trisha did not tell Ethan this first, just posted a video about it. And the Frenemies episode still hadn't come out yet. So in this video where like Trisha quits, um, they also like it's either in the video or they tweet about how like and I bet Ethan's still going to air the episode tomorrow or whatever. So then Ethan's put in this rock in a hard space situation where the episode is already kind of aired. Yeah. Um. And now the way Trisha's painting the whole situation, it's going to be like his word against theirs. And so to him, he's like, well, I kind of have to air the episode now because like otherwise people it's just about like he said they said and not like when people could just watch it for themselves. Yeah. So Ethan releases the episode even though it's kind of 
Trisha has kind of expressed that that would be annoying of him to do, but he still does it. And then Trisha's like, well, that's fine. Cause like, I understand like you got to do what you got to do. And like, whatever. There's like this kind of dispute about whether it was actually okay or not for that podcast to be made public. I'm of the opinion that they shouldn't have aired it even to the members. Like there's all this weird personal information about how much money they're making on it. They're both millionaires. Yeah. Two people. That's the most ridiculous part of all of this. Yeah. They're people who are millionaires fighting about this 5% that Ethan pays to his staff. So imagine how his staff feels watching two millionaires fight about money when they're making 5% of what these people are making. Like, it's just like ridiculous. And not even 5%. They're splitting the 5% among them and with production. You know, it's just like, it's a weird thing. Um, then like they're, I'm I'm not going to recount all the specifics because it is ridiculous what ensues but essentially they like Ethan releases two podcast episodes all about the situation like on his podcast mm-hmm. Trisha releases like upwards of 5 to 7 videos that are all at least 40 minutes long like back to back to back about like their perspective on the situation um, and they both tweet a lot about it. At one point, Trisha tweets every minute for two hours. Oh my God. And it is just so obvious. All of the comments on all of these videos and all of these tweets is just their fans begging them to just talk to each other and not have this play out online. Finally, like some details start to become clear that there was a miscommunication where Ethan off air. Ethan and Trisha had talked about this, like hiring a new staff for frenemies thing. And Ethan had interpreted that as Trisha wanting to fire his staff and hire a whole new staff. And what Ethan did the day Trisha quit the podcast on YouTube via YouTube video was go to go to Trisha and be like, well, we still have to we have this thing set up that we're supposed to film tomorrow. And I still like I paid for all of it. Like, are you down to still film this one thing? And Trisha was like, yeah, of course. Like, I'm not going to leave you hanging high and dry for that. And then Ethan goes to his staff and says, just so you guys know, Trisha wants me to fire all of you. But are you still okay with coming into work tomorrow to work with Trisha? And the staff was like, "Mm, not really, because we don't want to work with someone who wants us fired. And so then Ethan goes back to Trisha and is like, well, my staff is uncomfortable working with you because like you, you like, yeah, you make them all uncomfortable. And so Ethan is like the middleman here who played a terrible game of telephone and made it out to be like this way worse thing than it actually was. Even though Trisha was overreacting, Trisha never actually said that they wanted to fire Ethan's staff. Trisha has always said that they really like Ethan's staff and look forward to continuing to work on with that staff on Frenemies, but just wants at least like one production manager that's just for Frenemies. Um, and then the staff is over here thinking that this person they've been working with for eight months wants them all fired. Um, and they all like, I mean, I think a few of them didn't really like Trisha that much, but they like they liked the money they were making from this podcast that was getting millions and millions of streams with a ton of sponsors, you know, like everyone was happy with the situation. And I think everyone would have been happy for this fight to blow over. And for the next week there to be another frenemies like the last fight. But because of this like weird miscommunication about like this 5% and like what they're doing with it. And Ethan 
basically telling the staff that Trisha wanted them fired and Trisha being like really upset that that's what like everyone thought. Um, it just spiraled out of control and it ended up triggering Trisha even more. So even though I think Ethan was really in the wrong in that moment, Trisha goes on to like say some heinous shit about Ethan publicly. Um, and they both just make some really low blows at each other. And Trisha like kind of accuses Ethan of sexual harassment. There's like these weird kind of gray area accusations going on between both of them about how they both were like insensitive to each other. Um, Trisha doesn't like the way that Ethan would joke about like her past sexual assaults. Ethan didn't like the way Trisha joked about his Tourette's and his being Jewish. Trisha didn't like the way Ethan joked about like her body. Like there's all these things where like if you watch the podcast, it's very obvious they have a rapport where they just say, hurtful shit to each other this is really relatable yeah i know i mean it is really relatable like i think a lot of people have friendships where it's like our friendship is where we say like we say the shitty thing and it's really not cool to then turn around and say like you're actually whatever like fat phobic or anti-semitic or you're actually sexually harassing me and they both Mm kind of did that to each other where they like this thing that was so clearly okay for so long (laughs) And if it wasn't okay, they should have set that boundary. Yeah. And same with the money thing. If Trisha actually wanted to do something different with this 5%, maybe bring it up not on air. If Ethan really thinks that like this 5% is being used perfectly fine and he's interpreting Trisha's issues with like the money as one, like her wanting to fire his staff, that's maybe not something you need to ever tell your staff about, you know, like how is that helpful? So whatever. I just think there was a lot of lack of boundaries and a lot of bad communication. And unfortunately, a person, I mean, I think they both have mental health issues, but Trisha openly has a mental health problem that like famously puts a huge strain on relationships. Borderline personality disorder, like one of the top things is pushing people away and like cutting people off over like things that you later regret doing. Um, So this has all kind of culminated in a really, really sad and abrupt ending to frenemies that it's so obvious neither of them wanted. It's like so obvious that they both really, really wanted to continue to do frenemies, Um, but they had both crossed lines that neither of them could get over um yeah. at least not anytime soon and especially with the added complication that trisha is engaged to moses and they are like mm-hmm. going to be family for for assuming like hopefully forever you know yeah um and i think that they both i think they both have kind of an equal amount of responsibility in this situation the internet has definitely taken ethan's side the internet has fully turned on Trisha again, which I don't think wrongfully so. I think Trisha really fucking went balls to the wall with this conflict. But um, I think like everyone's been real quick to forget the way that Ethan like kind of started it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, in any case, Trisha issued an apology via YouTube video to Ethan 
um, after a long time, like a week or two of being like, I didn't do anything wrong. Ethan's the one that needs to apologize to me. Like, I'm not apologizing until I get an apology. Trisha makes a long apology video with like 10 ad rolls in it. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Ethan responded to that apology on his podcast. And in his response, he was like, it would have been nice to have gotten this apology via phone call and not via a video that I had to watch 10 ads on. (laughs) But I appreciate it. And I like, you know, I'm not trying to let this person back into my life or get too close to them anytime soon because I feel like some really, really hurtful, fucked up shit happened. And I, Ethan is of the opinion that Trisha legit was like trying to ruin his life at one point with like the things that Trisha was posting you know Trisha posted private screenshots of like text conversations and shit that you don't do to someone who trusts you yeah. you know yeah um and you know to Ethan this was for they had gotten to a point where they were calling each other their best friend so to Ethan he got publicly betrayed by his best friend and to Trisha, they got also publicly betrayed by their best friend um, in a different way. And yeah. so, um, ironically, this blowout fight happened two weeks before Frenemies merch dropped for oh, the first wow. time. And so Ethan and Ethan's money was tied up in that Frenemies merch. Like he fronted the money for the merch. So he was like, I forget how much he said, but like multiple thousands of dollars in the hole, which is nothing to this straight up millionaire. Like, let's not forget that Ethan and Trisha bought matching Rolls Royces for the podcast. Like they are rich. So the fact that they were fighting about money at all is really disheartening. I think it's like this never needed to happen. But in any case, he was like, it's kind of ironic that the 5% is currently tied up in Frenemies merch that might be worthless now. Yeah. Um, But Ethan accepted Trisha's apology. They both promoted the Frenemies merch and the Frenemies merch sold out. (laughs) And apparently, allegedly, they did record one last Frenemies episode where they aired everything out and they apologized to each other and they talked about everything. But Ethan decided not to air it. Um. And that's kind of like where this story is at this moment. I'm sure more of it is going to unfold, but like I wanted to talk about it while it was still fresh. And I also wanted to talk about it while there's still some kind of ending, because I don't think we're going to there's these are two people that we're never going to get an ending out of. Yeah. These are two people that will like, yeah, we're going to they're both people who will milk any drama situation for all of the views it's worth. Um, And they're both people who are literally in each other's families. So I don't think their interactions with each other and their commentary on their interactions with each other are going to like come to a nice, neatly tied in a bow close anytime soon. Yeah. So, you know, sorry if by the time this comes out, some big frenemies related drama happens. But I kind of feel like this is the closest thing to an ending on this mistake we're going to get. And it was like a very, very big uh, like h- very talked about mistake when it was happening and it was a mistake that was like on both people's part like unfolding so publicly and mm-hmm. no like nobody the whole time was like wow 
one of you really fucked up and the other one's handling everything perfectly. Like everyone was like, please stop. Yeah. <laughs> All of their viewers were like, this is a nightmare and you're both fucking up so hugely in a way that is going to make the podcast permanently be over um, because neither of you can shut your fucking mouths and just talk about this behind the scenes and apologize to each other. And so that is how one of the most um, quick, like this podcast became one of the most popular podcasts faster than almost any other podcast I've ever heard of um, and also ended faster than any of the most famous podcasts I've ever heard of. Um, So that is how that podcast came to a screeching halt Due to two people fucking up colossally. Jesus. Yeah. Truly riveting. (laughs) Thank you for taking us on that journey. Uh, Thank you for listening. I mean, there were a few people who explicitly asked me to talk about this on the podcast, but my apologies to anyone who doesn't give a flying fuck about YouTuber drama. (laughs) I normally don't myself, but I just think that this was something that played out in such a public way that I think that even if you didn't really listen to the podcast... This drama still like reached yeah. you. Um, so hopefully it was interesting to to everyone. But moral of the story, of the story. I think is uh, set boundaries clear and often. Talk about your feelings as they're happening. And if you're in the public eye or if you're not in the public eye, there is no reason to fight with your best friend um online yeah you can go ahead and just do that in a private conversation and it will like i think even if you weren't famous even if you aren't famous it's not helpful to like air your shit out in front of everybody when like you're still saying things you don't really mean and it's still like a high level of you know um what's that chemical that releases in your brain when you're angry oh i i don't know I forget. Whatever. I didn't even know there was one. Do you know, Lisa? <laughs> huh. The way that, you know, like dopamine and serotonin. Yeah, 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 there's yeah. a anger version of that. I'm going to look it up. Oh, I didn't know that. Cortisone. Cortisol. Oh, I thought that was like a cream for your... That was like a... Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Cortisol. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you that that's definitely the moral of the story. Is to have clear boundaries in a friendship. Yeah. Um, Especially a friendship that it's like, you know, it's not like every single friendship you need to sit down and be like, here are my boundaries. No, but but if you're feeling that much tension that they both clearly are feeling. Yeah. Especially a friendship that like already had a public meltdown. Yeah. And don't publicly talk about money. That's so gauche. I think it's fine to talk about money to an extent. But if you're having a dispute about money. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're so rich and you're having money literally about like the money that you pay the employees that are sitting there like mixing and editing it for you in front of you while you fight about it. It's like fucking weird. Yeah, I know it is weird. We'll never do that to you, Elisa. (laughs) Um, Elisa, our employee. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, We fire Elisa, but we keep recording it in her room. (laughs) We do pay you. We've paid you with Did the money we? that we've made already. Oh, yes. We bought you. Well, that's that. <laughs> so you got, what, seven? The 5%. Yeah. The 5% that we pay you. Um, 
<laughs> Listen, next time we see money for this podcast, we're you're getting some of it. It's just we <laughs> give us money so we can pay Elisa. Support the podcast on Anchor <laughs> and on Patreon. Um, buy our merch when it's out. Buy our merch when it's out. <laughs> Maybe we should start having like our own meltdowns and then making it public so that we get more clicks. Oh, that's what's annoying is like I was like kind of hoping that they would just get back to the podcast the way that they did with that first fight. But it's like I think it would have had even more views. And then I was like, well, now they just have a formula. And so I was kind of glad that it did end where it ended because I'm like, yeah. this is about to reach like like uh, a viewership that would then justify they continue to do this every once in a while. And I don't, I would not, nobody wants to like tune in for that. You know, I would never have a fight with you on the podcast. I would just like murder suicide us on air. (laughs) If anything, Um, I'd rather us go out together than have a fight. (laughs) I have to cancel the pod. Same, same bestie. (laughs) Um, let's, my edit s- some, let's edit in some gunshot noises. <laughs> <laughs> my sources for this. Well, first of all, I've just been watching both of these people for a while. So my own brain. Um, but also to kind of like make sure I had the sequence of events all clear. Today, I watched a YouTube video by Turkey Tom called The Frenemies Trisha Fire, Ethan Klein versus Trisha Paytas. Um, and then I also watched um, a, a video that's kind of like a um, analysis by another person with borderline personality disorder of this whole conflict um, by a YouTuber named Brittany Simon. And the video is called How Trisha's Apology to Ethan Means Nothing and Everything. Um, and that video was basically just about how... Um, Trisha and Ethan both like mishandled the situation and how like the person who made the video is like uh, like also has borderline personality disorder and was kind of just giving like some kind of you know harsh truths to Trisha about like here are the ways that you need to be more responsible like yeah. you've gotten this diagnosis and now it's important is what you do with it yeah um and it's a pretty interesting video and like it has pretty good commentary on like how both of these people are people that like desperately need to like take a look in the mirror and um, stop throwing stones from glass houses essentially. Um, but they're also people who are still like good people and like, I don't know. I thought it was a good video because I do. I am still kind of a fan of both Trisha and Ethan. I'm definitely less of a fan than I was but I think it's a shame that this all like spiraled to where it did and it's very very abundantly clear to me that both people really regret how it happened so it's annoying it's annoying to be a fan and see them like have fucked up this thing that everyone loved that they both loved doing and honestly was for both of them, like the majority of their income. Yeah. <laughs> and like Trisha just bought a fucking mansion with Moses in like the Hollywood Hills. And like Ethan has another baby on the way. And it's not like either of them are pressed for money, but it's not like a smart move for either of them to have these like large financial responsibilities that they just added to their life and then be like, and we're going to end the most lucrative thing in our careers. Over a miscommunication. Fucking idiots. 
Anyway, we'll never do that. No. If we get in a fight about the podcast, uh, we'll tweet about it, but cryptically, so you guys won't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it's a good cautionary tale about when you go into business with someone, be really fucking clear that you're both like on the same page and like agree with what's. Yeah, for sure. The, what the deal is. Yeah. And like maybe don't go into a collaboration based on LOL. Isn't it funny how we don't like each other? Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't do that, kids. Don't try that at home. But I'll tell you what you should do. Kiss your friends on the mouth. <laughs> Test your drugs. And your holes. And your holes. And kiss your friends, friends on, on the, the mouth. mouth. Uh, and um, also <laughs> leave us a review. <laughs> a written review, please. Maybe like a five-star one that's uh, really glowing after, <laughs> after um, the mean review we just got. <laughs> what we've been through. I mean, it's just really been traumatic out here. <laughs> um, Write us your mistakes at bestmistakespod yes, oh at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Please write us your mistakes. <laughs> we love them. Write us your mistakes. We love you. We Follow love us you. on everything. Yes. Subscribe to our OnlyFans. Subscribe to our OnlyFans. Yes. And please take it from me. Open mouth, tongue kiss your, your friends. friends. <laughs> on the mouth. Yes. Okay, uh... that's all. Bye. <laughs>